0: friends, and welcome back. Or if you're new here, welcome to After the Ever, your podcast dedicated to all things paranormal and macabre, hosted by yours truly, me, the Pumpkin Queen. Now, you know I always have the best of intentions to upload more frequently, but here we are, halfway through June. I digress. Before we jump into episode seven, I wanted to do a quick shout out and give some recognition. So the men and women of the military, that is something that's very near and dear to my heart. With the Wolfman's grandfather serving in the Navy aboard the USS Mount McKinley that was in World War II, you could say for certain we're a proud military family. So when I found out that my spooky friend Allie aka Albert, Airman First Class at Langley Air Force Base in Virginia is a faithful listener. I had to give her a huge shout out and thank you. First and foremost, thank you Allie for your service to the men and women who fight for our country. Allie I think has one of the most important jobs in the service. Allie is a mental health technician and works with the soldiers and their families during and after deployment, ensuring them that their mental health and well-being are of the utmost importance. Allie went into the service right after high school and is now in her dream career, taking care of those who are taking care of us. Just amazing. Allie, my hat is off to you. Keep up the good work. And thank you so much for listening to the show. All right, let's get into episode seven. During the 1800s and early 1900s, America was ravaged by a deadly disease known to many as white death, a.k.a. tuberculosis. This terrifying and very contagious plague, with no cure in sight, claimed families, and sometimes even entire towns. In 1900, Louisville, Kentucky, had the highest tuberculosis death rate in America. Being on low ground, low swamp land, I should say, the area was a perfect breeding ground for the disease. And in 1910, a hospital was constructed on a windswept hill in southern Jefferson County. The disease continued to run rampant through the region and eventually with donations of money and donations of land, a new hospital was started in 1924. The structure was known as Waverly Hills and it opened in 1926. Welcome to episode seven, my spooky friends. Join me as we dive into the macabre and paranormal true history of the Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Located in Louisville, Kentucky, lies an amazing 20th century, early Tudor, Gothic Revival-style building. This building is listed on the National Historic Register, and during the building's existence, it became known as one of the most haunted places on Earth. Waverly Hills Sanatorium sits on land that was originally purchased by Major Thomas H. Hayes in 1883. Hi, Johnny Ron. Sorry, guys. At that time, Major Hayes was in need of school for his daughters to attend. So he just decided to start a one-room schoolhouse. That schoolhouse was located on Pages Lane. He hired a woman named Lizzie Lee Harris to teach at the school. Her love for the tiny school and her fondness for Scott's Waverly novels prompted her to name the little schoolhouse, yep, you guessed it, Waverly School. Major Hayes liked the name and chose to name his property Waverly Hill. Later on, the Board of Tuberculosis Hospital actually kept the name after purchasing the land and opening up the sanatorium, but we'll get into that. So originally, the sanatorium was a two-story frame building with a hip roof and half timbering. Construction on the wooden building began in 1908 and was designed to accommodate about 40 to 50 tuberculosis patients safely. The sanatorium opened on July 26, 1910. In 1914, the child's quarters added another 50 beds, bringing the known capacity to about 130 patients. The children's quarters was not only for sick children, but also for other children of tuberculosis patients who could not be cared for properly otherwise. The sanatorium would later be expanded to house more than 400 patients in 1926, due to the need for more beds and a more durable structure. Jefferson County was hit pretty hard with an outbreak of tuberculosis. There were reportedly many cases in Louisville at the time due to all the wetlands along the Ohio River. Again, these were perfect breeding grounds for the disease to spread and spread quickly. So the expansion of the sanatorium began in March 1924 and reopened for business on October 17, 1926. All you have to do is Google Waverly Hills and you will see the massive Gothic-style sanatorium that could accommodate at least 400 plus patients and was considered to be one of the most up-to-date and modern well-equipped facilities back in that era. Waverly Hills was a rather well-self-contained community, complete with its own zip code, post office, water treatment facility. The facility grew its own fruits and vegetables in a sustainable garden, raising livestock for protein, as well as maintaining many other necessities for everyday life. At the time, tuberculosis was a very serious disease, and people who were tuberculosis positive had to be isolated from the general public and placed in an area where they could rest and have plenty of fresh air. It was not known at the time that tuberculosis was an airborne disease. Because of the isolation, sanatoriums were specifically built on high hills surrounded by peaceful woods to help create a serene atmosphere to help the patients recover. Another morbid yet comforting way the staff of Waverly Hills did was create an underground tunnel for body disposal. Yep, I said it, body disposal. The body shoot aka the death tunnel where the dead were transported down and collected at the end of the tunnel and a group of waverly medical staff would collect the bodies and take them off the hill to be cremated or buried the underground tunnel used a rail car system and steps that connected to the first floor of the main building and the basement of the original hospital. It stretched 520 feet underground to the bottom of the hill where the dead were collected by the family or cremated. Only about 425 feet remain of the tunnel. And as time tells us, the tunnel was used to process the corpses off the hill in a way that the patients would not see the dead and become more depressed. Directors of the sanatorium decided that this was the best way to keep up morale. For fear of World War II coming to the US soil, the tunnel could also be used as an air raid shelter with enough room to fit everyone from all buildings inside safely. Patients were not the only residents that called Waverly Hills home. Nurses, doctors, and other employees had to say goodbye to everything they knew on the outside world. Once you went into Waverly Hills, you became a permanent resident on the hill. Even though it was known by many around the area that many who go in, don't necessarily come out, many patients still received visits from loved ones on visiting day. With no real way to cure tuberculosis, while the sanatorium was open, the doctors did what they could to treat the illness. As a last resort, doctors devised treatments, such as inserting balloons into a patient's lungs and filling them up with air to help with breathing. Doctors would also remove ribs and muscle tissue to alleviate pressure and create more room for the damaged lungs to live in the body cavity. This resulted in painful, ineffective, and often fatal surgeries. Hence why I think hauntings and spirit encounters are much more believable in a historical hospital like this. The facility served as a tuberculosis hospital until 1961 when the discovery of an antibiotic that successfully treated and cured tuberculosis rendered the historic facility obsolete. It was closed down and quarantined then renovated in 1962. The building reopened as Woodhaven Medical Services, a geriatric facility. Woodhaven Medical had its run until it was closed by the state in 1981. Over the next few decades, Waverly Hills would fall into dark times. The historical structure was vandalized and nearly condemned. The previous property owners had no desire to maintain the luster of the building and did little to stop the people from destroying her. Fast forward to 2001. Waverly Hills Sanatorium was purchased by historical and paranormal enthusiasts Charles and Tina Mattingly. Since then, there have been many changes and improvements to the building and the surrounding property. Charles and Tina and the Waverly Hills Historical Society continue to devote their lives to restoring the historic Waverly Hills. I will be sure to link the website for Waverly Hills in the links below so you can check it out. I definitely see a haunted tour in my near future 2022 maybe? Now that we've reviewed some of the Waverly Hills building history and went over some of the macabre medical procedures, let's talk my favorite stuff. Ghosts and legends. Waverly Hills is said to be the home of many disembodied spirits. One of them is called the creeper. Legend has it If you have ever felt an overwhelming feeling of doom that you can't explain, you might have come across a being like the Creeper. The Creeper is a dark, terrifying entity that has said to be crawling along the floors and even the walls of Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Some believe it's an otherworldly spirit or a demonic force. While others say it's a human spirit that has been twisted by the trauma of death. Whatever its true nature is, those who encounter it are overwhelmed with dread. Moving on to room 502. Rumors have it that room 502 was a death trap. When people in a sanatorium die, you may be thinking probably the patients, not the healthy staff. When you enter room 502, the room seems to invoke a sadness. According to the local legend, the head nurse of room 502 was found hanging from a light fixture. This was believed to be a suicide, triggered by depression over an unwanted pregnancy. Another nurse, who also worked in room 502, jumped off the roof to her death. Who might have done it and why are still unknown, whether she meant to jump or was she pushed. So truly what happened in room 502 is hard to say, but it seems like something occurred in that room to cause the legend to take root in the first place. The story of Room 502 may have been based off some forgotten facts, but the truth remains buried under all the rumors and untold history. In spite of the strange things that continue to be reported, volunteers working toward the restoring the building, experienced ghostly sounds, the slamming of doors, seeing lights appear in the building when there should have been none, Volunteers even reported having objects thrown at them. Others said they were struck forcefully by something unseen. Apparitions appearing in the doorways and the corridors. Well, this sounds like a place for me. I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to need to check it out. One of the more well-known ghost stories of Waverly Hills is Timmy. Timmy was around six or seven years old when he died in the hospital. Since then, past employees of the hospital say because Timmy died at such a young age and had his whole life ahead of him, his spirit is stuck to Waverly Hills and can't move on. They say he wanders the hospital trying to have fun. Visitors often bring balls for him to play with and many claim they see the ball moving, seemingly on its own. Something interesting I found while researching this historical building was the many accounts of Dappelganger sightings. Dappelgangers are also known as double walkers. They're a type of spirit that can mimic the appearance, voice and mannerisms of anyone or anything it encounters. This could mean looking across the room and seeing an exact replica of yourself. Only that replica is a darker version. Tour guides at Waverly Hills have reported seeing doppelgangers of themselves and others. In some cases, the doppelgangers were almost identical, except black holes where were their eyes should be. For my last creepy encounter, this one stems from the experiences of the Bell Ghost Hunter Society. When they visited Waverly Hills, they found the kitchen in shambles, windows, tables, and chairs... They were all broken. The cafeteria was in a similar state, just destroyed. Finding nothing useful, the team tried to leave, but before they could, they heard footsteps. Then they heard a door swing shut and they noticed the smell of freshly baked bread. No one else was in the building, let alone using the ruined kitchen to bake bread. There seemed to be no explanation for what they had witnessed. So like I've said like a billion times in this episode, I am putting Waverly Hills on my to-do list of places to visit. Maybe I can get there next year. But with October coming soon and my Salem trip planned, there's lots of stuff to explore. Well, my spooky friends, that's all she wrote for today's episode. If you've made it this far, thank you so much for listening to today's story. If you want to help support the podcast, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow me on Instagram at After The Ever. Please don't forget to swing by the show's website, AfterTheEver.com, to find the Contact Me page. If you have any listener stories or even suggestions for an upcoming episode, that would be great. I'll post the links in the show notes below. Thanks again to my spooky production team. Please check out the show notes and find all their personal links to the team's artwork and music. Thank you all again for the third time for listening into today's episode and look out for episode eight. So until next time, stay spooky, my friends. To the Wolfman.